Once I had a tape recorder when I was a tween And in retrospect all those recordings were obscene But now I'm an adult and I can laugh at myself Why not play them for someone else? These are the tapes and I hope you enjoy A slice of nostalgia through the ears of a boy Travel back in time with a familiar sound Let's all get lost and rewound Episode 1, Boring Yet Cool This week, introductions and interview with actor, writer, director Josh Telson Welcome to the inaugural episode of Lost and Rewound. I am Alan. And I am Jimmy, a.k.a. The Hoff. And together we are on... And off. Also joining us is our announcer, social media maven, and psychological voice of reason, Melvi. Hello. For those unfamiliar with what we're about to unleash onto you, here is a rundown. I used to carry a handheld tape recorder around with me during my middle school years of the mid-90s. These recordings have gone almost entirely unheard until now. Jimmy, along with Mel, will be listening with fresh ears and provide commentary as we dive into the rough and raw sounds of old media, specifically that of the cassette tape variety. Ultimately, we hope to achieve absolute humility as we come to grips with the sounds of our youth and attempt to connect the dots between then and now. Without further ado, let's begin. Hello again, it's the Danziger Zone. Yeah. I can't get my line. <laughs> I want to be a famous basketball player. Now we're interviewing Noah. How are you? The best of the best football player in the world. World and world. I'm not finishing. I'm not finishing. Goodbye. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, Josh. I'd like to be a pilot and an actor. Okay. Bobby Connors, what do you want to be when you grow up? A uh, professional baseball player. What team? Uh, what team? Mets. Mets. Okay, you heard it. Now we're interviewing Kyle. Kyle, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. Jackie, what do you want to be when you grow up? No idea. Amanda, what do you want to be when you grow up? A fire truck. <laughs> oh, boy. Katie, what do you want to be when you grow up? A teacher. Sam, what do you want to be when you grow up? A teacher. What do you want to be when you grow up? He has no idea. Kelly, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Wait, wait, nothing. Fire. I mean, I want to What does Corinne want to be when you grow up? A police car. Second car that we've gotten. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. Gina, what do you want to be when you grow up? I did this. Miss Downey, if you could be anything but a teacher, what would it be? A writer. Okay. Rebecca, what do you want to be when you grow up? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I already told you on the bus that I don't know. Okay. Amy, what do you want to be when you grow up? A fire truck. <gasps> the second fire truck. <laughs> This just in. Amy picked a different thing. I want to be a veterinarian. Corinne just picked another thing. A veterinarian! Amanda picked another thing. I want to be a ballet dancer. Kevin, what do you want to be when you grow up? A bomb. I told you, a football player. Yeah. Anna, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
I don't know. Tanya, what do you want to be when you grow up? Get that one. Okay. That's just changed. I want to be a fire truck. <laughs> he wants to be an actor and a comedian. Now we're interviewing Ryan. Ryan, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think I want to be a movie critic because you get paid to, to watch movies. Okay? Snow, what do you want to be when you grow up? I told you already, a baseball player. Okay, now for Jeremy. Jeremy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now for Jeremy. Jeremy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay, I'm interviewing Jesse. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know yet. What do you want to be when you grow up? This is Scott. Uh, lawyer. Jeremy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Jeremy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Jeremy knows what he wants to be now. I want to be a guitar. Cody, what do you want to be when you grow up? A Brooks. Ian, what do you want to be when you grow up? An actor. Adam, what do you want to be when you grow up? Baseball player. Adam wants to be on the Yankees. KG, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an athlete. Tony Torn wants to be a biochemist. If you could be anything except the gym teacher, what would you be? Um, I would be out west if I could be anything um, other than a gym teacher. What would you be? Now where would you be? Oh, what would I be? I would be maybe on a small farm, be a, a farmer. Okay. Well, Rose, if you could be anything besides whatever you are, uh, what would you be? I don't know. It's hard to decide in a hurry. Okay, I don't think so. Okay. What do you want to be when you grow up, Matthew? Okay. I'm interviewing James on what he wants to be when he grows up. When you say? I'm going to interview James on what he wants to be. James Cummins on what he wants to be when he grows up. What do you want to be, James? Uh, either a scientist or a doctor. There you have it. Matt, what do you want to be when you grow up? A scientist. Mrs. Clasford, if you could be anything ex but a teacher, what would it be? I have to choose just one thing? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Anything but a teacher. Then I would say I would like to be an archaeologist. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I have to say, I was impressed by your interview style. Quick and to the point. That wasn't me, actually. The majority of those interviews were conducted by my longtime friend and colleague, Brooks Rocco, who lived right across the street from me growing up. Save for two of those kids near the end, Brooks was conducting all those interviews with each and every one of our peers. Is Brooks still involved in radio as well? Not to my knowledge. Uh, he was doing audio production, but I can't say. No, wait. So how many of them wanted to be vehicles? I mean, there was a baseball player, a ballerina, but then there was... Yeah. Was it like what? Two, two, two fire, two fire trucks and a, and a police car. That's weird. And also, like, the fact that we are technically now that whole grown up age, like, when you're a kid and you think about, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? We're sort of that grown up age now, but I don't. I don't think of myself as grown up. It's interesting how many of them wanted to be teachers as well as how many didn't want know what they wanted to be at all. I always think it's interesting when people, especially when their children, have aspirations to be a teacher. You know, I feel as though a lot of adults decide to change their careers later in life and say, you know what, maybe I'll be a teacher. It's like that famous phrase that says, if you can't do, teach. And if you can't teach, teach Jim. <laughs> you know, you get stuck. 
And also notable, when you're a kid, there's that relationship you have with a teacher where you feel a little bit different than them, or is that there's that schism where you, you think you take a step into that situation. You know, maybe you don't like them or have the best relationship, but as time goes on, you say to yourself, you know, I learned a lot from that, you know, dynamic, and I want to pass down what I've learned maybe to the next generation. It's far out. A lot of those boys wanted to be athletes. A lot of those girls wanted to be teachers or doctors. So it's taking care of someone or being responsible for the well-being and education of others versus what the boys wanted to do and keep doing what they were doing, which was playing for their favorite baseball, football, or basketball team. One interesting exception to the rule, though, was that kid by the name of Ryan. He said he wanted to be a movie critic. When you're 11 years old and you have the brightness to pick something like critiquing films because it pays well for something so simple, that's remarkable. Yeah, it's not a bad gig. You know, not a bad gig at all. But, you know, I want to go back and point out, you know, one of those boys speaking on the kids who wanted to play professional sports, I couldn't help but note that one kid said he wanted to play for the Mets. I have a better question. Is he currently homeless? He is a doctor, actually. Huh. I'm blown away. I think is that he... qualifies as a step up in I, life. I wouldn't be surprised if he's still a Mets fan, though. Wow. Uh. Yeah, uh, going places, going places. Maybe he'll be the partial owner one day. Following in the footsteps of Bill Maher. <laughs> True. Or we, can, we could also riff on that whole tangent, too, though, about how all the guys wanted to be athletes. Like, they all wanted to play sports, wanted to keep doing that. And the girls wanted to be teachers. There's a ballet dancer in there somewhere. I went through a ballet dancer phase. So it really is like it's a caretaker nurturing thing, which hmm. my women's studies degree is showing. I mean, it's fascinating how we raise our children and we teach we, from a very young age. We... Give girls easy-bake ovens and all of that stuff. Right. I don't know. It's just it's also weird for me to think back about being 10 or 11 and what I thought I wanted to be and not like going through that whole 20-something, I'm not a real adult, what the fuck am I doing with my life crisis right now? Like, I don't even know what I – if you'd asked me in middle school or late elementary, I can't even think of what I would have said at this point. For me – it was a ballet dancer. Yeah, what were you, <laughs> would, would you have said the same thing? I don't know. I I went through a ballet dancer phase. Also, my mother reminded me uh, when I was home for the holidays, I was talking to her about this project we're working on. Apparently, I went through an ice skater phase, which I don't remember. Mm. But they were all I was a, I was a girly girl. Like there was a lot of princessy ice skater ballerina. I did go through an astronaut phase, but. Yeah, I don't know. I liked pink a lot. I went through an actor phase. Actually, I still want to be an actor. You're still in an actor phase. I, I haven't grown up whatsoever, so I don't know. We had this whole national dialogue that has opened up, I think, since we've elected a black president, even more so, I feel, that you could be whatever you want to be when you grow up. Yeah, you but know? like that's to a certain degree, though. Like It's also kind of bullshitty. I was talking, discussed this with one of my friends who's an elementary school teacher now. Like There's this whole generation of kids who have no concept of not being perfect, and they're turning out to be really weird, dysfunctional adults. Like, kids don't get to fail anymore, and we're so busy making it the perfect childhood bubble right. that we're not, there's no reality. Yeah, you know, you can be whatever you want to be if you have lots of money. Truth. Yeah, like, all these special snowflakes are going to graduate from high school and college and go, what the fuck is this? How do I make a doctor's appointment? Where's my mommy? Yeah, well, you know, it's a problem. I, you know, we were promised so much, but, you know, resources are still not available. Yeah, if you want it bad enough, you can be it. Just try. Just want it. Just hope. All you need to do is go to college. And then they turn around and say, oh, 
Now you need a master's degree. And Cedar Nuffins, all you need to do is climb to the very top of the mountain, and on the side of the mountain there'll be a small flower. And once you get to the flower, the bright plinth petals, you get that flower and you bring it to the man at the bottom of a gorge. He will bless you. And then you will get that fateful job. Sounds like that old computer game, Mist. It is Mist. And I tell you, once you get through all of those things, after all that effort, you can finally be... A fire truck. <laughs> yes. And you can finally hang out with your best friend, the police car. Amazing. You guys have any comments on uh, uh, any of the other responses? So, like that kid Snow, for example, he said he wanted to be a baseball player. I have not heard from him in so many years, but I've been told by numerous sources that he became a professional snowboarder. By all intents and purposes, that is an athlete position. So, his childhood aspirations manifested themselves somehow. Pretend athlete. Pretend athlete! Jimmy, come on. I mean, like, Sean White's, like, there's professional snowboarders. Like, they have the X Games. I think, like, Sean White's won gold medals or something. He's an accomplished human. Uh, for snowboarding. Yeah, okay, I give you, snowboarding is a fake sport, but people have succeeded at it. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. For me... The legitimacy? The legitimacy? Is that what you're trying to that say? That word? I don't know. I can't speak the English. I don't know. I don't know how the words. You know, just the, the whole legitimacy of the sport. It's just, what's with the, like the training? You know, I guess the thing I perceive about snowboarding is the more nonchalant, the more the cooler you are. So it's more of a lifestyle than it is a sport. I mean, it's kind of surfing with snow, right? I and mean, it's not that different. I mean, I feel like it is, because when I think about alternative forms of sport, I think back to Point Break. You know, there's this point in your life when you watch that film, and it changes the viewer's perception of surfing as a whole. There's a whole idea of chasing the wave, and then you get to the end of the film, and they find that perfect wave. It's that same thing with snowboarding, except you get the freshest powder and the most dangerous jump. You know, that per perfect midair flip. I don't know. It seems strange. It doesn't seem like the real traditional sport, but you know I can't judge the kid. I'm not an athlete. I can't pretend to be one. I can run fast. I that's good. I suppose I, it's okay. I'm. I guarantee you, I am worse at sports and all athletic things. Like I am just the most non-athletic person ever. Comedically bad at sports. I was so delusional when I was a kid. One thing I missed uh, out on was how badly I was at basketball. I insisted that I was okay, but really, in fact, that was not the case at all. Never the case, in fact. I had a basketball hoop in front of my house. I practiced on occasion. Didn't do me any good. Who was your childhood basketball hero? I don't know. I don't think I had one. I just remember being an avid hater of the Bulls and the Pacers and the Heat because they were always beating my team that I, I subscribed to, the Knicks. And all the players in the Knicks were awesome. Patrick Ewing, John Starks, uh, Greg Anthony. I gravitated towards the home team. Yeah, I loved Grant Hill. You know, I was always in love with that story that he watched Michael Jordan play and then he trained himself you know, off of just the videotape. And eventually he got that good. You know, He balled up. So I thought to myself, you know, I can watch a lot of television when I was a kid. You know, it means if I keep watching this and I keep watching that, I can begin to train myself. And now I can do anything. You know, I'm going to watch Cliffhanger, and I'm going to be like Stallone, and then I'm on the side of a cliff. Dude, you can learn anything from TV. Like, I'm really good at Jeopardy, mostly because I watched too much History Channel in college. Exactly. Like, I watched Bruce Lee movies, and now all I want to do is fly to China and start challenging people. Well, wait, 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 wait a second, though. They didn't have a History Channel in the 90s, did they? Uh, what did they have before? They had A&E, I guess. I think the Discovery Channel, when there was actually science on it and, like, like, discovering shit. Yeah, my dad used to watch it all the time. The Discovery Channel was always on in my household. And in those days, I think that's really where you went. 
That was the outlet for all sorts of science and geeky information. And if I had watched it more, I would have ended up more like Cody, James, and Matt in regards to those interviews we heard. They were more scientifically inclined. Are they still scientifically inclined now? I think Cody might be, but I don't know for sure. I don't know. I can definitely say in retrospect that had I been better at math, I probably would have gone more science, nerdy physics, like the whole aerospace science astronomy thing is fascinating, but I can't do the math. I mean, it's, I just, I can't get it wrong. So I guess that's one of my, if I could have, what would I do differently? But you know, I don't know, maybe I would have actually paid attention in algebra class. When you guys were in middle school, did you have different teachers for science and social studies? Yeah. I guess that's the way it is across the map. It's like that Virginia as well. Yeah, and somewhere around 6th or 7th grade, depending on where they split elementary and middle school, they would make you start changing teachers. Yeah, you know, when you're growing up, depending on where you're at and what situations you're in, you know, your ambition, as far as what you want to be, changes, you know. I always thought to myself, when a kid says he wants to be an astronaut, that's like a really unrealistic goal. I mean, it's it's cool. It's a good idea. Why is it unrealistic? Because I want to say that one out of every like or a you know, million people actually becomes an astronaut. I actually looked into this recently because NASA's hiring. Like it, the internet got a hold of that and thought it was hilarious. But it, it really does. If you actually read the job postings and look into it, it takes a ridiculous number of qualifications to be an astronaut. Like you have to be a PhD and an engineer and a bio, like you and have to be in good physical condition and pass all the psychological testing. I mean, the threshold is so high. Like that's why only four people get to go to space a year. I mean, it's like a super soldier. <laughs> yeah, they're just not going to send any one person into space. It just doesn't happen. Or if it does, they'll tell you, Yo, yeah, you know, you're set for the mission. It's going to be 2035, Apollo 47. And the rocket at that point will hopefully send you into space within 13 minutes. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's like college. I mean, they put you on a wait list and you hope somebody dies before you get too old to go. I mean, yeah, you know, I always wanted to be a cartoonist. I thought. I could draw pictures for, like, the daily news and stuff like that. That's not being fun. But I realized even as a little kid that, you know, I didn't know what a significant, like, cartoon was. I got to change this idea. I got to be more constructive. I figured that out at a young age. But there's this, an idea, like, when do you actually let go of those dreams? At what point do you think to yourself, maybe I was being foolish, you know? Have I been thinking about it the same way for a long time, you know? I mean, no kid ever grows up thinking, hey, I want to wear a suit and crunch numbers and sit in a cubicle and hate my boss. Let's be an accountant. Yeah. yeah, Or a teller, I don't know, or a pharmacist. When you're a kid, you don't think about the mundane, everyday, boring jobs. Wouldn't it be great? One day I could scrub toilets. Oh, boy. I want to have that janitor's job. I really want to drive the subway. I want to make the guy who makes the typeface in the front of restaurants. (laughs) Actually, yo, you think about it, that's kind of cool, no? Yeah. (laughs) That'd be cool to read. Well, uh, they're not grasping the graphic design aspect, obviously, but you know what I mean. Yeah, when when you're young, you're not necessarily thinking about the fact that somebody has to design the logo that goes on the awning on the building or that there's a person who prints it or a person who installs it. You don't think about that kind of stuff. You're like, I want to be a basketball player or I like animals, so I'll be a vet or a teacher or something, like a pretty princess. You don't – the small stuff is not in the front of your mind. Yeah, you know, when you're a kid, you know, the smaller idea, the bigger the idea, you know. When you see a building, you want to be an architect. You don't want to be a bricklayer. You know, I think that's the separation. You don't think, man, wouldn't it be great to set up drywall in that building? There's an interesting way to spin this, which is that we never, ever, ever want to be what our parents are. It's in our nature. 
when we're still young, we're still nimble-minded. We're not looking to the future, per se. We just want to have fun. So we just gravitate to what we want to do. And, right? I don't know. I kind of... I, you don't so, think? To a certain degree. I mean, you do sort of go through these phases where you... Like, psychologically or developmentally, there's kids go through phases where they want to be a lot like their parents and attached to their parents. And then you go through a phase where you're totally not your parents. But, I don't know. I think after a while you eventually come back around. It's sort of, I think, it, I don't know, I think of it more, I guess, as a teenager, fuck you, mom and dad kind of thing. Yeah, it's not rejection. It's just a case of obstinance. Oh, I don't want to do what my dad does. My dad's boring. I don't want to do what my mom does. My mom is boring, etc. Yeah. I don't want to do what they do. No, yeah, I mean, I get the the idea of I can do something better, which is cool. But, I mean, what you grew up doesn't sort of influence your perspective and what you think about and how you think about. And, for example, like, my dad, he's a contractor. He built houses. And so just growing up around that, I I can make things, I fix things. I, mean, I was helping a friend of mine last night who moved, put a bed together. He was perfect, like he was perplexed, and I just told him, he started handing me tools, and I did it, like, without the instructions. And I don't know, it's like building houses, the actual building, I think, could be fascinating. The influence is there. Yeah, I guess it's a really like a cop's kid growing up to be a cop because you're all you know is cops. Yeah, you know, true. Well, my dad was white when I was growing up, and I wasn't a problem with that. Daddy issues? Yeah, you know, I guess... It would have been great to be a different race, but I don't exactly mean along. I mean, my father, when I was growing up, was a nuisance wildlife control specialist. You know, he used to catch animals, and catching animals for me was decent. But you know, I don't know. I didn't want to be in the animal racket. It was fun, you know, especially as a young kid. And you're off, you know, you're into it. You're chasing animals. You know, you got guns, you got traps. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. You're skinning them. You're grinding their bones to make your bread. There's a there's a real fun element to that. But it's a lifestyle, you know. It's something you really have to commit to. So I know what you mean. You know, there's definitely a separation because my father did it. You know, he's trying to train me in the same way, trying to build me in his image. You know, my son is going to be the exact opposite of me. Now, I'm going to try to make him so different than me, but it's going to be, like, different in a cool way. And, you know, I'm going to tell him what he wants to be when he's older. I do think there's definitely a particular father-son dynamic thing that goes on. I mean... When you want to grow up and being like your dad or not being like your dad and pushing against that sort of paternal thing. Yeah. I like I see with me yeah, with my um dad and my brother that well, it's always it's usually always the older or oldest son. Yeah, I don't know, even not necessarily even the oldest kid cuz I don't get it. My mom and I are not the same are not like that at all. But my dad and my brother, he's like it's a thing. It's not gender spe- it's not gender specific. No, and it definitely I don't, I don't know. I no, I can I understand. There, it's a parental pressure dynamic. I, I was always into acting, and my parents always supported me because my plan was consistent. And for whatever my kid sister was doing at the time, she got into, she was treated equally. We had a very artistic household, so uh, our creativity was nurtured. We kept doing our thing nonstop, and if we had any other interests that developed independently or otherwise, those choices were accepted all the same. Uh, maybe that's a rare situation. I don't know. I try not to compare my upbringing to others, but it seemed to me like a number of my peers growing up had parents who were, if not immersed in arts and crafts-based positions, which my parents were. Uh, they Other parents were working at what I couldn't really wrap my head around. Uh, modest day-to-day, nine-to-five gigs and the like. Uh, IBM had a big stronghold uh, during the 90s up the state. Uh, but did the kids want to follow in the footsteps is what's most important. 
At the time, they didn't appear to be interested in it. So not until they got to college, at least, did that seem to unravel. And that's where everything does come full circle, no? Be it as uh, early as the first semester or deep within the middle of the collegiate studies and a little light bulb just goes off inside the brain. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting, especially when you have children where the parents really have an idea about what they want them to do from a very young age, whether the children decided to actually go along with that. And I think if they could get away from their parents, you know, if they couldn't stop that push or really like how could they react to it. You know, when I was a kid, it was the same thing. My parents said I could do whatever I wanted. You know, it's cool. We'll support you. You know, that sort of thing. You know, I decided to be a bum and ride the rails, but, you know, that was the idea at all. You had you decided to be a certain person or, you know, act in a certain way, would it help you more? You know, I have a lot of friends who got into, like, arranged marriages, friends who got pushed to do certain colleges or go to a certain job, and, you know, that's still held up. You know, friends of mine who were doctors and lawyers and this and that, where, you know, they all came to this one point, you know, I don't know that I really, like, want to do this but as time rolled on, it changed, and it said, you know, now, now I really like it, you know. Maybe I am happy that my parents pushed me into it. They clean their act up. They make a modest living for themselves. Yeah, you know, I wish my parents had pushed me to do a lot more in the same way. You know, when I have children, I'm going to push them to that point where they may have to be, you know, not happy with what they're doing at the time. But in retrospect, they'll be like, man, I'm so dad. I mean, excuse me, I'm so glad that dad was jamming daddy, my daddy. hands on that piano because if he didn't slam my hands on that piano, and I would never have learned to be, you know, a classical pianist see that's actually a really interesting perspective on that and it's funny that you use the piano example because my dad wished he had learned how to play piano so he made my brother take piano lessons starting when he was like five and i don't know my brother and i are also five and a half years apart so it's yeah i mean we've got a little bit of a different perspective our parents were very different or we got very different parenting because we're the gap is so wide so i mean like with me being the firstborn they didn't really know what they were doing they sort of let me float from extracurricular to extracurricular Tried every sport one for like one season before we finally figured out sports and I just don't get along. Like, But then my brother, he got a little bit more athletic talent than I did. And so when he got into Little League, like my dad really pushed him. Like, So like he played until he was 15 and he finally quit in high school so he could do the musical, which tells you something about my family. And he was better at acting. But he also – like my parents also pushed him more for grades. Like he – I took – a some AP classes, but didn't take the AP test for half of them because I was lazy. So I didn't actually get the scores, but my brother took, like, he took more honors in AP classes. He took all of his exams and he actually got further ahead. So, I mean, I do think there's a fine line between pushing your kids and having sort of that parental focus to stay, or sort of like parental influence to help you stay focused on what you're doing. Right. I mean, doing something because it's good for you and you need, like, Take the harder math class. Challenge yourself. You're smart enough. You should do it. Is different than like living vicariously through your kids, and I think that there's like a very, very fine line about that. I mean, I don't know. Did my brother and I? Which one of us turned out to be more successful? Jury's still out. He's still in school, but we definitely had two completely different experiences with the same set of parents. We have some clips that so segue perfectly into this whole sibling discussion. Um, let's take a quick break first, and then when we come back, we'll take a listen. Okay. Lost and rewound. The next 
clip is one of the earliest, actually. It's documenting a typical night with the babysitter. We had these family friends, the mother whom ran this sort of daycare at her own house, and the youngest daughter, Gina, would from time to time be one of our babysitters who would come over to our house. I did not get to record much while under the supervision of babysitters, or at least from what the clips have shown from the archives. So in this clip that we're about to hear, uh, is this really special? Things got a little out of control. It sounds like the premise to either a porno or a horror movie. Oh, just you wait. Hi, it's me, Eladi. We're getting to bed. Gina Michio is here. Hi, Gina. Hi, Eladi. Hi. Well, you're the second person that said that. (laughs) Hello. I'm very good at getting for bed, so I'll see you tomorrow. But I have a great time. I had a chance over there with you. Oh, she had a screaming fit. I had a half an hour. But half an hour, I've got such cool earrings. And they're like so cool. Get that. Get that. 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 I just got the ready. Get that. I got the ready. Fine. (laughs) I just got the ready for for the the ride. I can't believe. Thank you, Sarah. You're really stupid. You're really stupid. I know she's a stupid guy, but I can if I want to. Play that to your mommy. Oopsie! I made a mistake. I'm gonna tell you a story about the Ninja Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle impersonators. Victorious Ninja Beetles. Jump math, meet the Beatles, Ninja math, meet the Beatles, Ninja math. Beatles, they're pretty smart. I gotta tell you the story, alright? Bye. The Victorious Ninja Beatles take May to the sewer home. Yuck, giant bugs. We're not just any insects, we're Ninja Math Mutant Beatles. EMC Square. We they weren't always. Last year, these beetles and I found to some radioactive group and made us grow science and intelligence. I, Algebra, the pitiful math master, taught them the ways of numbers. I named the beetles after famous mathematicians. Newton, Descartes, Usinid, Leibniz. But just then, in a dark warehouse, but only I, Subjector, will know how. And I and those Shakur's Math Mutant Beetles exterminate them. To be continued later at May's apartment. I'm looking for the angle on his robbery store. How about a 92 degree angle? Don't be obstuse, dude. Hey, let's order a pizza. What diameter? It's too late tomorrow to find the rest of the story. No! Suddenly, 763 evil ninjas just dropped in. That's 173.25 of them to one of us. Like excellent odds, dudes. You want to sleep in a different room? Let's see. Well, then, wait, hold on. To be continued. Get up in bed. I have to listen to my mommy. Go ahead, sir. Sure. Go ahead, sir. 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 Go ahead, sir
we'll have. Have another tea yeah. or two. We'll save it this time. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Then get up in the bed. I'll play this to your mom. Well, it's 9.39. Past the time I'm supposed to go to bed. And Sarah refused to walk up the stairs. Okay, now the continuing story. No, 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 no. I'm busy. Black Mary, sister, you get under your cover. I'll rewind it and go back to this place. Oh, I want to record it. Sarah, go to bed. You can go sleep in your room. Algebra has been taken prisoner by subtractor. The Ninja Beetles go to May's country home to practice math. This circle reminds me of a pizza pie. This will stop you from multiplying. Quit clowning. If only algebra were here. I am here in spirit, in the flesh. I am 92 times 10, 3 plus 4 times 3 degrees Fahrenheit, 465 plus 4 check, plus 51 divided by 3 point check 8, minus 5, 0, minus 0, minus, uh, oh yes, point check 9, miles to the south. Save me! Save me! Cowabunga! He's right across the street, ten feet away! Let's go teach some tractor a lesson. A math lesson! After a skew algebra, subtractor, we are ordering pizzas for six of us. Each pizza has spent ten slices. Let's use some of pies and ores. We can all get the same number of slices. Where the heck is my calculator? The answer is da -da -da -da, three pies! As somebody who nannied like, and babysat my entire way through college, I would have killed you as a child. Like, kids like you were the reason I went home and did drugs. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I don't even know what to say. That was fantastic. It gets better, as the gays say. I mean, retrospectively listening to it, it's awesome. But if I was your babysitter trying to put you to bed, I would have wanted to break the goddamn tape recorder. Like I can just, I can hear the frustration in her voice. No, I really want to get down to the nitty-gritty about all these characters you created. Oh, I didn't create them. That's the, the greatest admission I could make. I have no fucking idea where these characters came from. I do know it was not from Mad or Crack magazine, I can tell you that much, but it was not from my own head. I was very creative, but I was not that creative. You didn't make up the math, Beatles, man? I did not. But I can remember, I cannot remember actually where I got it from whatsoever. I don't know. It, it must have been like a promotional mini-comic inside a cereal box or something. Ninja Turtles, do math! Or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. It was like math I, games. I, I'm not going to lie. I made up characters out of a toy skeleton, my Star of David necklace, a terrible caricature out of the pro wrestler Razor Ramon, and a reimagining of my figurine of Robbie from the ABC sitcom Dinosaurs. I created all of them. But I did not make up the Ninja Math Mutant Beetles. It's pretty unreal, even if you didn't create them. I myself loved the Ninja Turtles as a kid. There was this box I Yeah, had. everybody owned at least one of the toys. I actually found a box of drawings, only of Ninja Turtles, and there are probably like a thousand different images in there. And it was the same <laughs> image done a thousand <laughs> times between the ages of three and seven. You know, once in a while I found color, and of course I didn't draw within the lines, but I remember that like sitting in the back of cars just drawing Ninja Turtles over and over again. So with this you had Euclid and all these different mathematicians. Euclid! 
You did say Euclid, right? I didn't even know how to say the square root of. I just called them checks. <laughs> the checks. You look at all these symbols and you thought they were corner sets. So I'm just going to like talk about them and <laughs> the X it, in the lines. Yeah, so the thing is that Ninja Turtles were named after famous artists, but I don't remember any of them actually being creative. You know, they did a lot of like ninja stuff. They did a lot of pizza stuff. They did a lot of extreme stuff. But with this, you know. I like that there was always a lot of math. Like, there was a lot of learning going on and algebra teaching them the ways of equations. Like, how do you put equations into your ninja abilities? How do you become, like, use math to become a a better crime fighter? I don't know. I'm like, I have to confess, I didn't even realize the Ninja Turtles were named after artists until I was, like, 12 or 13. I I completely missed that one as a kid. We didn't even have, we didn't have Wikipedia back then, no. We had to consult hardcover encyclopedias, and in their random searches, we stumbled upon a name like Donatello and said, hey, there's a Donatello? Who's Donatello? Yeah, and I'm like, I also missed the movies, too, and my memories of the Ninja Turtles, like, I started watching the cartoon, the animated series, probably about halfway through the series, but I totally missed the premise where it was, like, Turtles and Toxic Waste, Master Splinter, like, being named after painters. It's just like, oh, cool. So there's these characters named Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael. They're turtles who eat pizza. And that's like what they're named. Oh, but wait, there's a painter named Michelangelo too? Well, that's weird. Like, it just, I didn't put it together at all. Such a verbose story. And all that while, in the background, my babysitter is yelling at my sister to go to bed. In so much as even taking it from me to uh, threaten her to go to bed and tell, you know, give, give the recorder to my parents. 9.30 p.m., though. Did you guys have early bedtimes like that when you had babysitters? No, I do vividly remember having a bedtime of 9.30 and being very angry about it. Uh, I remember being like 9, 9.30 or so when I was still like young enough to have a babysitter. That... Yeah, sometime around 10 o'clock. Yeah. Ba- babysitter on the weekend, sometimes you can stay up later. You know, I want to say I was nine years old around that time, and they extended a little bit. I remember I had like the opportunity to stay up until midnight when I was maybe in middle school. Oh, for New Year's Eve, yeah? No, they let me stay up for New Year's Eve and stuff like that, you know. It was weird almost, like a sitcom. You know, my parents gave me that one opportunity, and I was like, you know, I can stay up as long as I want. And they're like, oh, yeah? And I'm like, yeah! And they're like, sure, stay up long as you want. And me and my friends got together, and we got all kinds of things we knew would like help us stay up. You know, candy, Coca-Cola. We didn't drink coffee, you know, we were too young. And we were just like <laughs> inhaling this stuff. There's like seven of us. You ever seen an episode of Pete and Pete where they're all trying to, you know, keep the record for staying up for like weeks or whatever? Oh, God. No, who could ever forget that episode? Right? Great episode. Night- Nightcrawler. I still remember. You know, we were trying to do, you know, one whole night. And I still remember throughout the night, it was the same thing. Like kids were slowly nodding off. And every time one kid would slowly nod off, we'd do something terrible to them. <laughs> you know? And then basically all we needed to do was make it to noon of the next day. So we stay up the entire night and, you know, the entire morning, and it's 11.45, and it's just me and my best friend, and we are losing it. I mean, we can barely keep our eyes open. And he looks over at me, and he's like, Jimmy, Jimmy, we're going to do it. Just believe. Believe. And then as noon struck, I remember I winked at him, and he winked at me, and we immediately fell asleep at the exact same moment. And, you know, it was a great time, but I definitely never stayed up that late ever again, and I never wanted to. Yeah, and I remember always doing that, like, when you have sleepovers. Not necessarily a specific goal, but having your friends over and just trying to stay up as late as you can. And your parents would be like, would just sort of let it happen. Like, 
ignore it for that one time. Like all your sleeping bags out in the living room would be hanging out. Like how late can we stay up? I was always the kid that fell asleep first. Like I had no shame. I was up at like 1130 without fail. But I do remember when I went to camp because I went to nerd camp and I'm a dork like that. We like, I took classes instead of doing archery and lived in a dorm and all of that. But the last night as camp, uh, we our, our regular curfew was nine o'clock. We we're supposed to be in our dorms by nine, like lights out at 10. But the last night they let us stay up all night. And so like, we had to stay in the dorm because it was a liability issue, but you could do whatever you want. And I remember being like 12, 13 years old. And I'm like, yeah, let's stay up. Let's drink a bunch of Red Bull. Cause like Red Bull was suddenly a thing. And then at about 9 a.m. the next morning, all of our parents would show up to pick us up. And they'd just be passed out and twitchy and sleep-deprived. And, like, that moment where you're, just, you're so over-caffeinated and exhausted, but you're just physically incapable of falling asleep. Like, yeah. No, I must admit, actually, um, with one particular detail in that, uh, I don't recall the year where Red Bull became a thing. Yeah, I think this was like two. Th- this was around like two thousand two ish. Saying, yeah, I, Red it, Bull was still new. Like it was the only energy drink. Yeah, yeah, probably then. Ten years ago is my guess. That's when the whole like energy drink phenomenon started. Because before it was just candy. I don't remember kids drinking energy. Well, drinks. before Red Bull though, there was Jolt. You guys remember Jolt? Yeah. Oh God, Jolt Cola. Oh, the terrible times with Jolt. Like, around that same age, a little bit younger, like, going on, like, the overnight school field trip or whatever, and you'd be on the bus all night, and everyone to stay up because you could, and it was a school trip, so you'd drink a bunch of Jolt, and it was just awful. I want to roll back, Mm. and I'm wondering, Mel, like, when you said before that you went to nerd camp, I went to a nerdy camp myself when I was a kid, but it was a Boy Scout camp. No, I mean, like, I actually took the SATs when I was in sixth grade and got a 1070. See, yeah, like you have to score over a thousand to get into the program. I read The Republic when I was twelve. Oh, not bad. So what I'm wondering is, did you have like pocket protectors, like tape around the glasses? Were you working with? Okay, papers? so the program. If we're going to get into it, the program actually had a lot of different campuses and like classes you could specialize in, depending on where you went and what you wanted to study. I wasn't a hard science kid, so. I didn't hang out with like sciencey people. I did the humanities. I read, yeah, I read the entire Republic when I was twelve. Um, watched Waiting for G- Red, Waiting for Godot the first time when I was fourteen. Like, so you're like you're in this class with these other twelve, thirteen year olds for a month, and you. I took a lot of philosophy, so you're reading philosophy or doing critical film study or international relations. And I, I never understood kids like you. Yeah, you know, when I was 12, there was that one person who would get on all fours behind someone else, and then you'd run up and you'd push them over the other person. You know, the really classic way to trip somebody. You know, that was my game. No, you see, I, I read The Republic and then had to do a class project where you created your own idealized government. Well, I remember when I was still very into using French toast as a euphemism for sex, and when I was 12, I'd be like, oh, yeah, girl, I'm making some of that French toast. <laughs> Sarah, baby girl. Oh, God. I was, I was actually quite pedestrian. I just went to a day camp myself when I was in middle school. It was one of those YMCA camps. Well-rounded, not far from home, about a half-hour bus ride from town. You had the archery, the canoeing, the occasional sleepovers, of I, Yeah, when I was 9 or 10, I definitely went to Girl Scout camp for a couple of years, and we did archery and canoeing. I flipped a canoe one time. That was fun. So, like, I did do the outdoors camp stuff, but as I got older and nerdier, I just said screw it and 
decided to study philosophy and dystopian literature and political systems and then play ultimate frisbee with a bunch of other awkward 14-year-olds. It's so good we can talk about camp so freely. I never talk about these days. But sadly, in regards to Lost and Rewound, there are, in fact, no traces of recordings of mine from camp. And that could be because I was not able to get away with bringing my recorder from with me. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. You know, thinking back at that clip, at one point, your babysitter was like, you can't record. And your response was, I gotta record! (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but there was definitely a time in my youth when I was really, really difficult. You know, there were times, there were situations, sometimes having to do with bed, going to sleep, other times I was leaving, you know, a friend's house, and parents would come to pick me up, and I would lose it. And I would just lose my mind, and I would really get off the wall. And I was really young. And basically, I had this, you know, this big problem. I'd get myself overtired, and I would get myself fever sometimes, having, like, problems going to sleep out of nowhere. So when I used to get a fever, sometimes I'd actually begin to hallucinate. And I'd come out of my room, and I'd start hallucinating. Keep in mind that I'm seven years old. And I'd come out of my bedroom, and I'd start to go off and freak out. You know, I had this hallucination one time. Um where I couldn't get to bed, and it was really late, and I came out of the room, and I was convinced that I had six fingers, and I was just losing my shit, and I couldn't handle it, and you know, I was convinced something really terrible had happened to me. I just remember I was yelling at my parents, not knowing what to do, being like, put me to bed, do something about my six fingers, please help me! Like, oddly enough, reminds me of the first time, like, I, like the first time you trip really hard when you take shrooms, and I, for me, I laid there on the floor of my living room, under the futon, like, with my dog, just, and I thought the floor was going to fall off and, like, off the edge of a cliff. So I laid there with the dog and tried to explain to her that if we moved, we were going to fall off this cliff, we were going to fall backwards and die. So I just laid there for, like, two hours, with, like, the top third of my body, under the futon, just chilling. Speaking of being scared in bed, Alon, did you have any trouble going to sleep as a kid due to something like monsters in the closet? Monsters under the bed. Monsters in your underpants. It under Wow, I didn't know that existed. Oh, no, I had a very vivid imagination, but no, never was really afraid when I went to sleep. Uh, I was pretty secure as long as I had a nightlight on, which probably already is indicative that I was not secure. Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't have problems sleeping otherwise. Didn't hallucinate at all. I just had some really fucked up dreams. I didn't, and so much that I didn't even remember some of them, but they really affected me. And there was this one, the one uh, where I woke up in midair before landing on my bed. So I guess it was a sleep walk, sleep, <clears throat> um, like stand up, sleep, stand up. I suppose what followed was a sleep jump or a fall, whatever the case was. And in that millisecond before landing, I woke up and startled myself, really, really confused as to what happened. Like, really? Did I just fall in this dream? That was probably the most memorable, strange thing to ever happen to me in regards to sleep. And uh, I must have been about six or seven when that happened. Yeah, I never, I never was a monster kid, but I did have some weird, some like really fucked up nightmares. I still can't watch Fantasia because of just the weird dreams it gave me as a kid. That gave that movie gave a lot of kids nightmares. That's why it really originally wasn't a marketable Disney movie. The pink elephants. I mean, come on. It was creepy. I mean, I was creeped out by about creeped out by it then, and I even remember seeing it as an adult and asking myself. What is this movie? Why did we show it to children? For me, it, I was the opposite. You know, I had monsters in the closet. I had monsters under the bed. I had a specific monster. Um, there was a film I'd seen as a kid. It was called Monster Mom. And I guess I kind of had 
fear of my own mother as a kid. All my friends actually were afraid of her. And they always said she was the scariest of all the moms. You know, the thing, they, they always, they talked to me about it. And imagine somehow that, like, my mom gives them, like, night tremors because she's that scary of a person. But anyway, there's this young kid whose father is a widower and his mother has died. And his father's trying to remarry. So he marries this woman, and the woman is a monster. And I guess one day the kid sees that she's a monster when she's, like, you know, putting on her makeup. And he's trying to tell his dad. And I'm telling you, she's green and scaly, and the, you know, the body is moist and weird. Their ears were gigantic. And, and, you know, I was little, and it freaked me out. And so, like, that was the monster that was under my bed. And it was to, point, to the point where, you know, when you're on the bed and there's some sort of safety while you're underneath the covers, especially, you know, if your head is underneath too, you know, you're totally cool in that instance. thought to myself, though, if I get too close to under the bed, I'll be killed. So what I used to do is I would come back to my room and I would just start to go running towards my bed. And I'd be about six feet away, maybe even further, ten feet away. And I'd have this gigantic running start and I would dive onto the bed so I wouldn't have to put my feet at the edge of the bed. And this one time I remember plowing into the wall. I nearly knocked myself out. And I'm laying in my bed in a daze and I'm thinking, what am I doing to myself? <laughs> These monsters are controlling my life. Like, I need to do something about this. Probably one of the reasons I didn't get the jitters so much as a kid was because I tended to steer clear away <laughs> from all of those movies as much as possible. Gremlins, Critters, all that. Uh, there was just one where puppets came to life. Maybe the Puppet Master, I think it was called. I don't remember. Was it actually a horror movie or just like some creepy children's movie gone wrong? No, no, it was a horror movie. Yo, I even got a little scared every time I was in the supermarket book aisle and walked by the cover of Stephen King's It. Or when I went to the video store and I would catch a glimpse of scary box covers in the horror movie section. I remember <laughs> – this is, this, is, this is a terrible admission. I remember I rented Who Look Who's Talking too. <laughs> I saw all the Look Who's Talking at one point. But that was a terrible movie, of course. And, but do you remember the first scene is the important part? Nobody? It scarred me for life. I, if, I'm not going to even say anything about it. It was terrible. Unbelievable. I even used to get scared just going to McDonald's every time I caught a glimpse of Ronald McDonald's clown grill. And I'm not even afraid of clowns, but that clown. I, that, yeah, that's scary. that clowns are one of those weird fears where I can understand where people are like freaked out and just creeped out by them. Like I don't personally have a clown thing, but I could. Clowns are weird. I can see where that one comes from. It's not as strange to me. Yeah, I think we've reached that awkward moment in the podcast where we need to take a quick break. <laughs> but anything to stop talking about clowns, you know. Yeah. More hilarity coming up. This is Lost and Rewound. Well, here it is. The end of the road. I'm going home. And finally, school's out for the weekend. Yep, I'm going home. I'm going to visit my kitties. Do just a little work. Watch television. The usual. Ah, it's so peaceful coming home. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a great place to live, especially because your your best friend is across the street. <sighs> hey, there's the old woodpile. Oh man, it's gonna make a big fire in the winter. <laughs> ah, home, home, sweet home. As I know of of a little hour ago. Mom is not here. And now it's very obvious. Obvious. I wonder who is home. Or maybe no one is home. 
I can take it you are very bored at this. But it's cool! <sighs> I can't take it. I want to live here forever. Forever. Things are happening, uh, yeah, that's cool. We'll go downstairs, and, okay. Hi, Mom. Hi, how are you this morning? Oh, I have my morning voice on for you. Are you uh, going to make me sound like a chipmunk? Oh, you gonna make me sound like a chipmunk? Yes. No, I'm yes, not. You are. yes, you are. I can tell. I'm gonna sound like a chipmunk. Okay, I am. Oh yes, I'm Daddy. I'm gonna sound like a chipmunk. I did. Is chipmunk taking a shower? Am I gonna sound like a chipmunk if I took her face like this, or am I gonna sound like a chipmunk if I sound? Hello, it's vegan. Yes, yes, it's vegan. Oh man, I can't believe today. I actually had nobody to play with. Nobody to play with. Just nobody, 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 nobody. I can't believe it because it's still day and nobody wants to play. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, God, I'm so bored. So, 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 so bored that I'm going to turn this off for now. What do you think would change my life? Uh... I'm almost, it's October, I'm going to 11, and I'm in the school newspaper. And let's just say, life has changed a lot. Yeah, by the fact that Bruce is gone, and, I'm, and I'm, life is changing so much. Ben's dog, Tom, is getting trained. I'm going to get new, some new video games. I'm, go, I'm getting more into journalism, like I just said before. No, lots of people ha are having a great life, but let's just say I'm also having a great one. <laughs> Boy, if I had a wish, it would be to to have a good personality. You got that? Right, I got that. Really? It's just it's all boring on the bus. I mean, there's nothing to do. So dull. Weird. Uh, Bye. My favorite part of listening to these clips for the first time, Alon, is just knowing you now as an adult and hearing you as a kid, and you, you, you're, it's very similar. It's yeah. actually kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you have this high-pitched kid's voice going on like eight or whatever old ten. you are. Okay, ten, whatever. But like a prepubescent for all intensive purposes. And Thirty-five. Seventy. I'm Benjamin Button. <laughs> The point is, is like your voice, your speech pattern. It's, it's weird. It's freaky. It's, yeah, it, very much you. Even now, it's funny. I was, I was thinking to myself, you know, that idea about growing up and boredom. You know, you were bored when you're on the bus. You were bored at your house, and you couldn't hang out with your friends. So you were bored. You know, there are certain situations where you wouldn't even grab the recorder because you were that bored. You didn't even want to. And I remember growing up as an only child, I had to stop myself from being bored sometimes. And it impressed a lot of my friends, and they would tell me how they, you know, I never actually got bored. But there was a time in my life where I realized that you could transfer all of that boredom time 
after he started doing drugs into drug time. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's actually kind of how we all eventually ended up smoking weed as we got older. Speaking of which, I did not smoke weed for the first time until I was well into high school. It's not like it's really relevant to anything for this podcast, but I, I got high for the first time long before the first time I ever got drunk. I had drank beer at parties, but not in the binge drinking kind of way. I don't know. For what it's worth, in terms of substance usage to entertain oneself, uh, I guess it's merely a matter of picking your poison. I never found beer an incredibly attractive vice when I went to the aforementioned parties in high school. But then in 10th grade, I remember I was finally in an intimate enough social setting, close to home, incidentally, where someone was like, oh, my God, you haven't had weed yet? Here. Opening and, uh, these, like, magic gates. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that's the thing. Is, like, it felt more like an invitation at that juncture than it did a form of peer pressure as opposed to when I was younger where it would have been totally peer pressure. And I did really truly come from very modest beginnings as an avid vice avoider before I got to high school. I was impervious to peer pressure for whatever reason because it never even happened. I guess it's easier to avoid when it's not around. I mean, I didn't really drink or smoke. I mean, I did a little bit in high school, but I was kind of more or less a goody two-shoes. I actually don't remember the first time I got drunk, but I know it eventually had to happen at some point before the end of high school. I just, I don't ever remember being trashed, man. Yeah. I have an even better question. Do you remember the first time you were bored? Probably not. I don't know. Like, you have been really little. Like, maybe four, maybe five. When we were left to our own devices as kids... We made it up as we went along, where I was from, upstate. If we weren't holed up inside watching TV, playing video games, etc., we were outside riding our bikes. There wasn't really anywhere to go on the particular street I lived on, you know? A lot of people who grew up in rural settings could relate to that. I never lived in an urban setting, but I suppose when you do, you have more access to activities, venues that are closer by. You don't necessarily need parental guidance because everything is closer by. Whereas with a rural neighborhood, everything is going to be a little farther spread out. There were kids who lived close to town, which was most assuredly bustling. What town isn't? Uh, but I, I lived a little farther up outside the town limits for any easy walk to truly occur. Upstate New York, kind of its own bubble. And there I was, stuck in home, stuck in my own smaller bubble with my video games, with my TV, and eventually my computer as technology advanced. So a bubble within a bubble within a bubble. <laughs> and if, if I didn't have that, I was told I had to spend time outside. So one less bubble to be in. And my parents would always be like, just get the fuck out the house and do something. <laughs> Funny story about that. Um, I remember when I was in middle school, probably like seventh grade, 12, maybe 13, and was going through one of those middle school girl phases where my parents were awful and I didn't want to deal with them. And I just wanted to talk to my friends. And we'd always be on the phone because we were 12 and people still had landlines and her parents would get pissed off about it. And then I remember this one time I was on the phone with one of my friends. And it was like a Saturday afternoon. And my dad came in the house and yelled at me to get off the phone and go outside. He's like, it's, it's a nice day outside. What are you doing in here? Just sitting around. Go outside and do something. So I took the cordless phone outside and sat in the front yard. Rebellious. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting dynamic. You know, the concept of boredom in the city and boredom in the suburbs. You know, the city has all these things to do, but in the burbs, you have to make it up. You got to be a little creative. Remember, a friend of mine moved down from the city, New York, to Florida, and he was telling me all about these different situations he was getting himself into because of the opportunities to entertain oneself were, by and large, endless. You know, he told me, I never played with fireworks until I left the city. You know, these days, we're always trying to... Figure out some sort of practical joke to play on people. Yeah. 
You know, he'd, for example, go to a drive-in, and all of a sudden you're ordering all sorts of ridiculous crap. You know, I have a better example. Have you ever heard of coning? Coning. Neither of you have heard of this before? No. Coning is a rather new phenomenon. The idea is you go up to the drive-thru window and you order a cone of ice cream. You grab the ice cream from the top rather than from the cone. So you either grab it off the top of the cone and start eating a glob of ice cream in your hands while they're left with this <laughs> sopping cone. What? Or you take a cone of ice cream, jam it in your face, and drive away while the ice cream is still melting off of your head. And this is a thing that people from the burbs do. You know, many a video can be found on YouTube. Seriously. <laughs> I suppose I've heard of stupider things, but oh, I believe you. Yeah, but getting back to the whole idea of being bored and making something of yourself. The reason I started drawing is probably because the same reason you, Alon, picked up that recorder a lot more often when you were sitting there thinking, oh, like, what am I going to do? Like, how did your parents feel about using the recorder? Over time? No, like right away. They encouraged it at first. They probably didn't realize how much of a monster they were creating, though, you know? That's what I'm saying, you know? Like, Dr. Frankenstein. They encouraged it. And by doing so, they allowed me to find a medium to express myself. Um, that's good parenting. It, it would have been if I had a video camera and made movies. But we couldn't afford a camcorder, so a tape recorder it was. I'm still waiting for that one clip that starts out. Captain's Log. It's coming. <laughs> I know it it's, is. I know it's there. It, I know it's going to be there. I just know it. So I think to myself about people who have a tape recorder sitting around recording themselves all the time. Captain Kirk is usually the man that comes to mind. So, you know, it's like the most Elan thing I think I heard so far in all of these clips is if I had a wish, when I would grow up to have a great personality. Like, not I want to grow up and be a firefighter or a doctor. No, it's like I want to grow up and have a great personality. <laughs> yeah, not a firefighter. A fire truck. Correction, or, correct. Yes. Yes. Or a pilot, or the president, or a baseball player. Like of all of the things you could have picked, I want to. I want to have a good personality. Like that's just a really Elon. Not what it? you want to have, Elon. What you want to be. I may be Elon now, but eventually, I want to have a good personality. Yeah. What kind of warped spell were you under as a kid that you didn't think you had a good personality? Again, I defer to the fact that these tapes will hold the proof as the show progresses. We have so much material to go through, and I need not spoil future episodes by recounting numerous examples of how out of my mind I was back then. Uh, I mean, I can mention them now, and maybe people will have a short attention span, so it will be fine. But truth be told, if I could cite one clue right now to the listeners at home, it is that my sense of self-esteem at the time, for lack of a better word, unique, shall we say. Well, I mean, if we're going to go down that road, then then there's going to have to be an episode where I dig up my old live journal entries because I had some issues. I had lots of feelings, and I put them all on the internet. Give it time. Give it time. All right? We have to ease our way into this, okay? I'm just saying. It's on a similar note. We haven't even gotten to Jimmy's freestyles yet. Cheer. <laughs> no, it's definitely going to happen when the time is right, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we're going to go that deep, then we should go to your Zangwe as well, Mel. Never Zanga. Only had a live journal. I want Zanga. Give me your Zangas. I also main, I think I maintained that live journal too for like seven or eight years. Oh, not bad. Dedication. Not bad at all. Yeah, that whole angst, anxiety when you're younger and you're comparing it to the angst you have as an adult. Remember when I was a kid, the biggest problem? I used to really, really be worried about my self image. I'm still a skinny guy, but back then I really used to bug me out. On the flip side, I was thin enough that no one would, you know, get me in a chokehold because I'd be able to easily slip out, you know, that old slippery pig fat. (laughs) 
You can hide in really tiny spots, hop out of lockers, scare people, even hang from the ceiling like Spider-Man. So there are benefits and problems as well. But everyone has their own personal obstacles to overcome in life. Yeah, see, like, I was on the opposite end of that exact same spectrum. Like I had all sorts of body image issues too, but mostly it's because I was so tall from so early on. Like I'm almost 5'10 now, like I'm tall but not gargantuan. But middle school, early high school, it just it was awful. It made the whole awkward phase longer. I mean, I was that much bigger, not fat, just taller than everyone else. I was like five, six in fifth grade. I mean, like you're a skinny little guy, Jimmy, but like when I was 14, I was 5'8". I was also the skinny little guy, thank you. Somehow I managed to find myself as one of two boys in the fifth grade who had his ear pierced. And that ear stayed pierced all throughout middle school and well, well into high school. But when I decided to get my ear pierced when I was 10, uh, this is definitely on the self-image tip. I had had it done over a holiday weekend in Long Island. Um, and when I came back to school that following Monday, I remember getting all these looks of disdain like, how dare you? Who do you think you are, you poser? You think you're as cool as um, – I, I really have no recollection of who the other kid was that I was copying. A pirate. Exactly, right? <laughs> I remember I was being cited for being unoriginal. And uh, I just remember feeling so above that with a response like, what? No, I just wanted to get my ear pierced. What's the big deal? Snap out of it, you people. Because I was the second. I was no trendsetter. I was a trend follower because of that. Yeah, right. I mean, back in that day, if somebody else did it first and then you followed suit, you weren't cool anymore. Please, I was totally already uncool. In terms of my social status, though, I, I, I would concede that I was somewhere in the middle. Not the textbook geek, but certainly not of the in-crowd variety. There were friends from both sides of the aisle that I had, and then there were friends I had who were... I'm, I would say right there smack dab in the middle with me. Well-respected, smart, and proficient with video games, and also made Little League. Uh, I did not make Little League and was semi-proficient in video games. So basically I was in the middle of everything socially and academically speaking. Well, what I guess then is whatever happened to first is the worst, second is the best, third is the one with the hairy chest. Uh, I ended up becoming the third. This is true. Not only chest, but knuckles and all. I'm like a younger Robin Williams. Robin Williams in the making, if you will. Oy. This is coming from the guy across the table from me who looks exactly like Chewbacca right now. <laughs> I've met hairier dudes. Yeah, I've got nothing than that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think we missed the moment on that. There's no real rebuttal. Like I said, I've got nothing. I, there can be real rebuttal. I'm hairy. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> All right. Well, since Alon can't find the right words for his rebuttal, we're going to go ahead and take a short water break. And when we come back, we will hear from another voice. Our interview with Josh Telson is coming up right here on Lost and Rewound. <laughs> to Lost and Rewound. This is Josh Telson, and he's coming to us live from Berlin, Germany. So, Josh, have you uh, taken a listen to those clips yet? Uh, I listened to the first one, the uh, Josh and I Try Improv. Uh, so what kind of, um, you're doing, I guess, media right now, an improv, so are you part of an improv troupe? Uh, I'm part of several improv troupes, actually. Oh, yeah. well, impressive. So, you're a comedy kind of guy? 
Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that I'm a comedy kind of guy, uh, which is a strange thing to be in Berlin. All right, say something funny. You're going to be that asshole. <laughs> That's that's like oh, that's like the people who find out I speak German asking me to say something in German, and I I don't know what to say. I don't I don't know what to say. It is it is what it is. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pressure you. I I'm sorry for that. So uh, why don't we take a listen Let's to that first clip? We could. Let's take a listen to the interviews. What do you want to be when you grow up? Josh. Um, I'd like to be a pilot and an actor. Okay. <laughs> I want to be a pilot and an actor. That was ambitious. I, I've done neither of those things. Great. I can't tell if we're uh, like being sped up or if we actually sounded like that back then. No, no. You actually sounded like that. It scares me. Alright. So, so, when you made that statement that you wanted to be a fire truck. I mean, this brought up a lot of conversation between us. We oh, actually, wait, I don't know. Amanda, Amy, and Corinne all said that they wanted to be vehicles of some emergency variety. Josh, I think, joked around and was like, I want to be a fire truck. You know, the, the most pathetic thing about that is, is that I still make that joke uh, to people. Uh... <laughs> one of our improv things, we start off the show in order to warm up the audience. We ask everyone what they wanted to be when they uh, grow, when they when they were younger, what they wanted to be when they grow up. And I still shout out fire truck because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I'm glad about that. Tell me more about it because we couldn't get wrap our heads around it. Uh, well, I you know the sad thing is that I certainly can't tell you what the hell I was thinking back then. And I can't even tell you what I'm thinking now, other than it sounds vaguely funny. Because, I don't know, how do you become a fire truck? Like, everyone wants to be a fireman, right? Yeah, but the truck is the cool part. Everyone knows that. The truck is the cool part. Someone actually tried to dissect that at one point. Like, someone tried to analyze it and thought that I was, like, a big Transformers. uh, I I was like... You're taking that way. You're thinking about that way. (laughs) You know, it's funny because my thought... Was, you know, maybe this guy wants to be Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime, he was a fire truck, and we all loved him for it. So I can understand where you're coming from, from with that. Can you think of, like, other childhood dreams you had? I, you know, yeah, actually, you know I, should, I should actually preface all of this with saying that my memory is total shit, uh, and particularly most of my childhood. Uh, read into that what you will. Uh, but I, I don't remember. That mean you did a lot of drugs in high school? You know, it, I didn't, though. That's, <laughs> I wish I could blame it on something like that. I, I just didn't. I don't know where. Well, I just blocked it all out. I don't know. I could tell you all about video codecs and how to do all sorts of stupid things that no one ever wants to do. But I, I can't tell you what I wanted to be when I grew up. Other than I, I know I wanted to be a pilot. Uh, that was true. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be. It was actually super specific. Alon probably remembers this. I wanted to be a pilot for Lufthansa. Uh, <laughs> not I had no idea what Lufthansa was until yeah, no one years did. ago. No, yeah, no. Well, back then, no one did. 
in sixth grade, we had to do a big thing on stage for our graduation. Graduation, like you fucking graduate from sixth grade, but whatever. We, we had this thing where we had to say, and I said, I, I, at 12 years old, I said I wanted to be a pilot for Lufthansa, which was stupid. And that died pretty quick. I didn't, I didn't end up doing that. I, the fact that I actually, in this interview, that I said I wanted to be an actor surprises me. I don't know where that came from. Alon, can you, can you illuminate some of that? I don't quite know. We opened up saying that you were actor, writer, director, of which I would imagine is accurate. No? I mean, I guess you could say that now, but that's, that's, that's now. I mean, that's really only strangely since I moved to Berlin that I started doing stuff on stage for most of my life. I haven't done done anything. I mean, I was doing a lot of stuff behind the camera, certainly. Director, I guess, would be uh, both flattering and mildly appropriate, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't have considered myself an actor. I don't know if I even consider myself an actor now, necessarily. Was there something about going overseas that, I don't know, awoken something in, uh, awakens rather something inside you? I, I, I guess, uh, I, I think really what it came down to, you know, I spent 10 years in New York City and, and, and loved New York, uh, you know, uh, I, very much, but uh, you kind of get overwhelmed in New York. I, I tried doing some stuff when I first moved there and just felt so lost with it that I think I, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, gave up on it there. And here in Berlin, there's a, you know, there's a pretty large audience for English language comedy, but there's not a lot of people doing it. So, uh, I, you know, it, it didn't take me months to even get, you know, 30 seconds on stage. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have to spend years in workshops to be able to, to start uh, working on, on improv stuff. So, um, there are a lot more opportunities, I think, out here that were more readily available. I, but that's all practical stuff. I don't, I don't, I couldn't honestly tell you uh, what what changed. Mm, I mean, what what percentage would you say of people from Germany uh, speak English versus German? I mean, is it a really common thing to go and see shows in English? Uh, it is for the, a lot of the younger. Uh, people here in, in Germany. I mean, the thing with the comedy scene, I certainly wouldn't want to, uh, you know, put down every German comedian uh, who does comedy in German, because there are some that are, that are quite good. But uh, comedy in, in, in German, like German language comedy is very different. It's really kind of like gag and, and like wordplay oriented. Most comedians are also comedians slash magicians or, you know, they, they do all sorts of crazy, they're all in costume, they've got, you know, funny names and stuff like that. It's, it's all very kind of gag related. There's not just a lot of straight sketch or stand up. So a lot of the comedians who are more oriented towards that kind of stuff tend to hang out with the English speaking crowd. And, and even if they're Germans, native German speakers, they'll, they'll do comedy in, in, uh, in English. Although a lot of those guys are now doing it in German, which is kind of fun to, to see. Um, so I think that's really more of where it's coming from. That, that a lot, like if you're young and German and you want to see kind of you know more hip or whatever fresh comedy, uh, you have to see it in English because it just doesn't exist in German. I actually want to back up for a second and just ask, how did you end up in Berlin? Like I understand wanting to leave New York. But why Berlin? Yeah, well, that's um, like a weird confluence event. I, I was actually born in Germany, and we moved to the States when I was three. 
So I, I have German citizenship, uh, which obviously makes uh, a whole lot, a lot of that a lot easier. My youngest brother lives out here. I, I've loved Berlin for a long time. I've been coming here for years and had been dreaming for years of, of moving out here. Um, and, and then uh, a year and a half ago, my wife and I kind of just decided, what the hell, there's no, no better time than now. And that was it. I mean, we, you know, within a couple of months, we kind of packed our stuff up and, and moved out here. So what the hell? Do you, do you find that your humor is geared in a more European way now? I mean, I feel like even going back just to the classic I want to be a fire truck line. I mean, I know that when I went to Japan, <laughs> fire trucks were not the same as America. Fire trucks were about half the size. So everything in Japan is half the size. Well, that was rough, but yeah. it's that whole idea that there's a. I mean, there's a different connotation. There's a different context, especially just you know, even with humor, that you can go into a whole different thing. Do you feel that you have a a European brand of humor, even for just maybe you know Americans living abroad? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I actually, in a way, I almost feel like I, I, I don't, that I, uh, uh, you know, I actually kind of have to work harder a little bit here to translate, not like literally translate, but to like kind of translate the humor to, to something that Germans can understand. Obviously, you'll, you know, just by, it's very nature living in, in a city, you do, you know, some of your jokes or your humor is, is kind of local. So, you know, I have stuff that I do about Berlin, about Germany, but I don't know necessarily that my sense of humor is uh, European or German. I, I would actually say it's probably more New York than it is anything else. Um, I don't know, actually. It probably has a lot of influence from my, you know, Brooklyn-born father in there. Are you planning on staying there for a longer time, or is this a temporary thing for right now? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's forever, but it's we're, we're here for the foreseeable future. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if that means a couple of years or a lot more than that. Um, but yeah, we're kind of we kind of have you know modest roots down here at this point. So we're having a good time, and I think we'll be here for a bit. Uh, I'd like to just take a moment right now. I know that you have heard the clip. Uh, where we try improv. I just wanted to play them the clip so that they have the context and can ask you anything about the clip itself. Sure. This is Elon Denziger and Josh Telson. Welcome to Fun News, Fun News, Fun, Fun, Home News, Fun, Home News. Hi, I'm Josh Telson. Um, um... <coughs> report a scene of the crime at 91st Street. Well, a car rammed into the building and set on fire and the person was rescued and that's it. Bye. Oh, you make a great <laughs> summary. <laughs> Wait, I got the wrong script. I was supposed to do the fire on 35th Street. 35th Street? Wasn't that the one with the, with the tragedy with Rodney King? <laughs> he, his, his brother was killed in that fire. Ugh, man, there are so much things happening these days. I hope you don't You know, now that I look to it, I feel like the world is falling apart very... Oh, I can't help it. I got I got burst into tears. Oh, shoot. I forgot. I'm, in, I'm on the air. 
We might as well take a, a commercial break. See ya. Bye. Well, you're looking for the perfect lawn tools. You can come right down to Lawn Gardens Inc. We have the perfect tools. Okay. Bye. Bye. Wait, the camera off. Hey, hey, that's just my assistant. Well, we're going to talk about hardware, and we're going to go to back to Hardware Store Incorporated from the 90s. Also known as Hardware Media. That's what the, that place is called. And we have millions of hardware. Yeah, 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 yeah. Davis, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you don't get the hell out of here, then... Oh, no, you're burning my stuff. Right in my house. Ah! 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 be doing the music things now so just stay tuned after these commercials again today was that like a newscast was that what we were the vibe you guys were going for i guess so right we were must have been doing i feel like we did a lot of that didn't we we did yeah. i edited it yeah it's uh <laughs> i think it was that <laughs> i don't know what god you know i'm listening to those tapes i would have hated me as a kid i sounded annoying i sounded really fucking annoying I don't know how anybody stood listening to me for that long. And neither do I. Yeah, God, I kind of just wanted to smack me. Uh, I don't know. That's uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. The um, I couldn't tell who was who though after a certain point. Which one of us was doing the Rodney King reference? Yeah, uh, that would be me. That was you. Okay. <laughs> of course. I was wondering how long it is in every point in your life where. You can now look back on the old you, whether it's six months you know ago you or a year ago you, where you're like, that guy sucked. I don't want to know that guy. I don't even pretend that that's a cool guy. I, I, I already hate the me from the beginning of this interview. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Damn past me, laying down all kinds of idiocy. And I'm probably not even going to listen to it. Not that I, you know, don't want to support uh, the the podcast, but I'm probably going to listen to it because I hate the sound of my voice right now. So that that has not changed either, even though it's you have the sexiest voice ever, Josh. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, now I'm, I'm now I'm a little uncomfortable. We can try to pitch you up to make you match with your like. <laughs> that would be yeah. Yeah, we can speed up your voice so it's make like you sound like you're still nine. It. Yeah, you're sold. You know, you know what would actually be even better is if you could make a uh, nine-year-old me have a really deep voice. <laughs> You'd be the same baritone Jimmy has. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe uh, Jimmy can just do some some like uh, voiceover dubbing for me. As yeah. A hey, check it out. There's a car crashed to the wall. Guys on fire. <laughs> yeah, I love the first one. There's like, there's a fire, and the car crashed into the building, and everybody died. The end. At 91st Street. I don't know where 91st Street came from either. We lived in a town with no numbers streets. 
I blame like Ninja Turtles and cartoons like that because all the cartoons on TV were all set in like New York or yeah. New York ripoff cities, and they all had the numbered streets and shit like that. New York envy. We've all been there, That's other than true. people like me from New York. I'm going to interject here, and I, I know that you went to school in the city, Josh, but yeah. your experience with going to the city at all flesh your whole career plan as far as what you wanted to do with your life, with your career as an adult. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I was thinking about it when I was that young. Certainly by the time I was a teenager, I, I knew I wanted to get down to the city. But I think that's kind of natural when you grow up in a small town. Uh, you know, if you if you don't fit in in that small town, you want to leave and you usually go to a city, um, I think, right? That's a pretty... Yeah. Just real quick for the record, where did you go to school? I went to New York University uh, in, in New York City. I had no idea NYU was in New York City. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> you, you, who, would, who would have known? Uh, yeah, I went to, I went to NYU. And I, I left high school early, actually. I left high school a year early to go to NYU because I was done with that. So, I, you know, I, Alon, I don't know. Uh, the city, we didn't go down to the city too much when I was a kid. Uh, my grandparents were there, but that was, that was kind of a rare occasion when we went down there. Um, I think really for me it was more a matter of just getting somewhere bigger than Woodstock. Okay, I just realized something. I was about to say, we love the Josh him. Why did that term ever come into existence? I don't know. I, don't know. I always like to say, don't take my name in vain whenever people use it that way. I never liked that phrase. Not that I don't like the name Josh, but joshing somebody, that's just not one I ever got. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't, uh, I should actually look up the etymology of that. I should probably know, of all the people who should know what that word means, where that came from. Uh, <laughs> I wish we had more clips to play right now. I, you want to stick around for a second while we just uh, quickly find this one clip of you totally uh, demolishing me on air? <laughs> sure. What the hell? I also just Good found, reaction. I found the etymology of the word Josh, meaning to joke around with someone. <clears throat> and the etymology is they don't know. Uh, they don't. It's, it's probably... Thanks, Internet. Yeah. The translation's been lost. Hey, I'm here My guess is that you were trying to say horoscope. Yeah, that's what I think. I was so 
So in addition to saying something that didn't make any sense, I was also saying it incorrectly. I just like that we're here 18 years later, and you are correct. In your <laughs> well, actually, the thing is, though, is we're using the Danziger Zone to actually do something, so maybe this will go somewhere? Yeah, I think you, I think you can prove me wrong here. The joke is kind of on me then, though, isn't it? Because I'm the one awake at 2.30 in the morning talking to you for the podcast. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. I like how the correct way to pronounce that word is that you have to put the, you know, the strong whore a scope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whore. Got it. Whore. <laughs> I was a real dirty uh, 11-year-old. You had siblings. Do you uh, think that you had the, I guess, the privilege of outdirtying your uh, brothers in language and uh, demeanor? all the time? Uh, I don't know if I... Well, you knew my father, Alon. I don't think that I could really have uh, used stronger language than my father did. Uh, I think the, the the bad influence on myself and my brothers was my father more than it would ever have been me. I remember telling my youngest brother when he was about to start uh, kindergarten, uh, like we, uh, we sat him down and told him that he wasn't allowed to say shit in school uh, because at four years old he was already saying that every other word. Wow. That should have been funny. No comment. Not, 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 <laughs> no, not serious. But uh, I don't know. I was, I was like the, the straight-laced kid because that's when you're the oldest in, in a town like Woodstock with a crazy family and you've got two younger brothers. I think like I felt some weird need to be the responsible one. So I, I never really did anything crazy. My brothers did. Uh, my father did. I didn't do anything. I like that you, from a young age, could tell that Elon was going to go nowhere with these clips. Pretty much. And then, even to top it off, because I've been thinking deeper into the phrase you said, because there's a lot more to what you say as a kid than you think. You said Harriscope. It was the ability for you to harass Elon for the different phases of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the horoscope. I, I don't. I, that's that's a weird thing to say, just generally. But it's an especially weird thing to say at 11, 12 years old. I read it in my heart. I don't think I'd ever read my horoscope ever by the time I was that age. Yeah, I, I really like it though because I feel like. It's a thing, especially when you're young like that. You'll make these grandiose statements. You'll say these big things that maybe mean a lot, but to you as a kid, you don't really know what you're talking about. No. I mean, I used to make a joke. I knew about 5% of what I was talking about. <laughs> I used to make claims, lofty claims, big ones. You know, I remember as a kid, I would say I was going to have my period or this or that. You know, I had no idea what I was getting at. You just say things to say them because they... You sound cool, and you want to give yourself a little bit of authority or respect or credibility. Yeah, the girls yeah. didn't do, do that. The girls were like, that. No, girls didn't do it. Like, I mean, we were mean to each other because kids are mean, but there was not this competition and, like, an eight-year-old equivalent of who has the biggest dick. Hey, you know, when you're eight years old, <laughs> the most right, hung but, kid on the playground. Yeah. Right, but you know, like, my brother will beat up your brother's other, and then, well, my brother will get his, his friends, and they'll beat up your brother, like. Yeah, but that's the whole thing, especially the kid hierarchy, you know. All the arguments get settled right there. There's no resentment, you know. It's, things get laid on the table. And there's always a clear winner and a clear loser, and you have to go into the situation, you know, with both barrels, and you're trying to win. Every time you get into it, and I feel like that's that's when I hear a kid say something like that, like 
your whatever you're doing right now sucks. I heard it in my horoscope. You're you're taking that extra step. You're like, I'm all right. I heard this word. Like my mom complains about it. I'm sure it's something important. She seems like it's a, it's soothsayers in the paper telling her what she needs to do. Speaking of words that we didn't know how to say as a kid, I think I heard someone mispronounce eccentric earlier in oh, like that clip. That's Scott Murray's. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get to him eventually. <laughs> I think I actually I should admit as of. Recording time, he still hasn't heard anything, but there isn't a lot, so we're going to get it to him eventually. Quite an ironic phrase. Ex- eccentric. Eccentric. Don't be eccentric. <laughs> Said it. Don't do it. Don't use big words, <laughs> So, uh, Josh, we're going to get out of here. We've run quite out of time. We want to thank you again so much, Josh, for coming out and helping to broadcast with us all the way across the Atlantic Ocean from Western Europe, Berlin, Germany. Josh Telson. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Get some sleep, man. And just, again, remember, don't be eccentric, man. Don't be eccentric. (laughs) As much as you think it's the way to be. Yeah. It's not what they want in Germany. show our thanks again to josh telson for joining in on the fun join us next time as we listen to old clips wax nostalgic and really laugh a whole bunch and don't forget you can visit us online at lost on twitter at lost and rewound you can also email us at lost and rewound at gmail.com lost and rewound is produced by doug johnson hosted by alan danziger jimmy hoffman and melissa lloyd again thanks to all our listeners out there and have a good time out in tv land